Hi, everyone. I'm Andrew. And I'm Michael. And you're listening to Endurance Sports Innovation. Today's show is an I've been thinking about segment, specifically why humans are not naturally very fast. Yeah, Andrew and I had this conversation uh, a few months ago, actually, and um, it seemed like an excellent segue uh, into the whole point of uh, of having this episode of talking about what some of the um, you know the natural morphological impediments to us humans going very fast is, and uh, some of the ways that uh, we can get creative about overcoming those obstacles. And to give everyone an idea of how deep this problem is rooted um, in psychology as well, there was a time when people thought that trains would basically cause you to lose your mind, that traveling at 30 or 40 <laughs> miles an hour or 50 or 60 kilometers an hour was enough that we wouldn't be able to process it. And basically, you'd go crazy if you went too fast. Um, it seems so ridiculous now, but that's actually what people believed. So comparing ourselves to animals that uh, that travel at these speeds, um, it's, you know, we, we don't seem that fast. And as a result, uh, we, a lot of our evolution has just been designed around being smart rather than being fast. Like we can run a long distance and that's a big part of being human, but, uh, we can't run that fast compared to a cheetah. So, um, so we have to think our ways out of a lot of the problems. So part of it is, uh, inventing things like bicycles and we're constantly fighting just how aerodynamic we are. Yeah, I remember you uh, you telling me you giving me an example, Andrew, about um, about a bird that it's obviously much much faster than us, and you kind of have to be if you're going to be airborne. Um, but um, can you give us uh, give us some of those numbers and then and, and just to just to show people how slow we are? Yeah, so even in a free fall, um, a person's a pretty dense object. Um, and some people might be offended if I talk about them like objects, <laughs> but, uh, if you're falling from a plane, you're basically an object at that point. But, uh, anyway, so skydivers, um, there's something called terminal velocity, which is basically how fast you fall in a, a free fall where gravity is balanced out with drag. So there's a force pulling you down and a force pushing you up. And when you're not accelerating, they're equal. Uh, and that happens for most skydivers at around 200 kilometers an hour. And that's when you're kind of horizontal in the, the traditional skydiving position you can imagine. If you point yourself downward like a pencil, you'll go a fair bit faster. I don't have the numbers offhand, but let's say it's somewhere around uh, 250 kilometers an hour. So um, that's with someone who's very dense and basically plummeting towards the earth and we have no way of stopping ourselves. We don't have wings. We don't have any additional uh, appendages that are, are designed to revolve to help stop us. But a comparison I love is looking at peregrine falcons. So these things are lightning fast. Um, I've heard numbers that uh, they've been recorded in dives going speeds of like 180 miles an hour, um, which is just mind boggling. So these these birds, which um, if you've ever held a bird, um, birds are not very dense. Uh, they have evolved basically to be lightweight, to have a lot of surface area for wings. Um, and they've got um, like hollow bones and not a lot of muscle mass. They're mostly feathers. If you saw a bird without its feathers, there's not much there. Um, I think so, we, we eat them. They're called chickens. <laughs> yes. So most people have seen a bird without feathers. Then. <laughs> uh, but um yeah, that aside, like a sparrow or a robin or something, there's there's not much bird there. Um, so to think of something like that falling at 180 miles an hour, 
like aerodynamics are king there. You have to be super streamlined to be able to dive at those speeds. And then on top of that, they're able to maneuver and to pull out of this dive and they use it for a hunting tactic. Yeah, that's remarkable. So for, for our metric friends, uh, that's around 300 kilometers an hour. So considerably faster than even a, you know, a human in a skydiver suit going, going headfirst towards the ground. And uh, metric is a good point. This is probably the only time I'll ever reference miles an hour because I prefer metric. It's just for whatever reason that fact sticks in my head in imperial units. So for now on, we will convert. We won't. We won't hold that against you, Andrew. <laughs> so it's it's something that uh, we think our way out of problems rather than letting nature take its course, and it's a big part of what makes us human. Um, so very interesting to look around. There, there are great examples of this. Uh, even uh, a really, you know, simple non-racing bicycle allows the average human to travel, let's say, thirty kilometers an hour uh, without, you know, certainly with some effort, but not not a superhuman kind of effort. Whereas you compare that to to running, really, the only folks that can that can run at thirty kilometers an hour are probably world class sprinters, and even those guys can maybe only hold it for four hundred. Uh, 400 or so meters. So, you know, the bicycle is a great unifying, unifying tool that makes, you know, even the average human a lot faster than he or she would be under, under normal circumstances. And then when you start adding in technologies that make us even more aerodynamic and, uh, and more efficient, then you get into even, even more exciting speeds, right? Yeah. Well, a great, great comparison is the human powered vehicle record, which I think is 130 kilometers an hour. Um, so a, a fast cyclist, a fast time trialist will be able to break uh, 50 for, you know, uh, an hour. And actually, as of recording, uh, yesterday, that the one hour record was broken. I think it's 55.087 kilometers. I think that's the number that sticks out. I could be slightly off. But uh, yeah, 55 kilometers an hour for an hour. Um, but that's one athlete has ever done that now. Um, with the human powered vehicle record, we've got 130 kilometers an hour in a purely streamlined vehicle. And the, the real difference is just air resistance. So with aerodynamics, if you're going, um, if you're going twice as fast, you generate four times as much drag. And because of how the power calculation works, it actually takes eight times as much power. So in this case, we've got more than twice as fast. So um, roughly speaking, we've got one eighth the drag for this streamlined human-powered vehicle record versus a time trialist doing the indoor track record. Yeah, and that's that's remarkable. And you're absolutely right. It's fifty-five point zero eight nine from Victor. About to butcher a Belgian name, uh, <laughs> Campenerts. Sorry, Belgians or French folks out there. Uh, he he uh, famously beat Bradley Wiggins's record by about uh, about half a kilometer, as I remember. So it's uh, it was pretty a, a pretty substantial bump. But you know, as Andrew said, you know, fifty five kilometers an hour for an hour that's that's an incredibly fast speed for anyone who's uh, who's ever been on a bicycle. And the fact that you can go, you know, what did you say, four times as fast? Yeah, I think 130 kilometers an hour is the the record. So it's it's more than twice as fast yeah. as it's like two and a half times as fast. <clears> two and a half the, times as fast. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's remarkable, and that's just with uh, you know with the uh, I, I want to say a little bit, probably more than a little bit of uh, of ingenuity and in engineering. Oh yeah, and I can pretty much bet that while they had a good athlete for that record, probably not quite the same caliber as a professional time trialist and and cyclist. So, um, so yeah, it's. 
it's incredible though. Um, either of those speeds are mind boggling for me. Yeah. And to draw another, another parallel, um, you know, we see over time since, you know, if we take a, a time horizon since the, the first modern Olympics at the end of the 19th century, the records for pretty much every, um, every athletic distance event, be it swimming, running, cycling, has fall, has steady, steadily fallen. There are some exceptions, but for the most part, there's a downward trajectory, and uh, a lot of that has to do with equipment innovation, certainly in cycling, um, but a lot of it has to do with training. And so, in training, we've seen uh, we've seen innovations um, that enable us to push these most amazing bodies to ever greater heights. I, I was listening to a podcast that I enjoy. Um, they were talking about the training protocols for early 20th century track runners and they were they were really afraid of of pushing people too hard and 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 having them get stale or what we would call overtrained and the the training protocols for some of these you know these were world class athletes people running you know for low fours for the mile this was before the mile the formula mile was broken on the track and they were doing workouts that were there were something like you know f- four by or four or four or six by you know two hundred at at you know thirty two seconds, and that was considered a really hard workout. I mean, obviously that's that's very fast, but for for the individual executing it, it was doable. But they only did you know eight hundred meters, a thousand meters worth of work, and that was considered to be a lot of work at the time. And they didn't want to push the the best athletes in the world harder than that. Um, certainly the, the thinking on, on volume and intensity has changed over the years. And that's part of the reason that those, uh, those track records continue to fall. Yeah. It's been a very interesting progression, just looking at the whole picture there. So you've got, yeah, as you mentioned, the training philosophies and training methods, um, the, the equipment and, um, I, I doubt, well, nutrition definitely plays a role, uh, and understanding of our bodies and how to properly fuel, but I doubt the base physiology of people has changed that much. Um, if anything, you could make the argument that people are maybe a little bit more lethargic than they used to be and not not as accustomed to doing hard work. And I'm sure there are lots of people, maybe of a slightly older generation, who might say that younger people don't work as hard. Um, but I think, yeah, it's it. a lot of this is just uh, innovation in and around the sports that drives these records ever, ever forward. And so many people, like even the Olympic committees are pushing for this. They want these steps forward all the time because it makes it exciting. Because if you've got a 50-year record that will never be broken, that stops being exciting after a while. It just becomes frustrating. So they they do push this innovation, but there's got to be an ultimate limit somewhere. Yeah, I mean, you'd you, you think so. But for, as, as you said, uh, as your example about people going fast in trains. That was the the long time held belief. Folks thought the four minute mile could never be broken. Um, sort of the uh, the barrier that that currently stands out to me would be the the two hour marathon that famously Nike had a good crack at um, a couple of years ago with their breaking two project. And they got remarkably close and they, they sort of, you know, it was a holistic approach on there. And you mentioned nutrition. They, they worked with, um, um, with, uh, oh man, the name escapes me right now, but, uh, the the Scandinavian company that that patented the hydrogel um, nutrition delivery um, substance, I guess you would call it, and obviously the train they had they had the best physiologists on staff, and they they pretty much invented a brand new shoe for it. So that that effort itself was uh, was really 
you know, it was a culmination of, of a multidisciplinary approach to making people as fast as, as engineeringly and humanly possible. It is interesting to think of where the ultimate limit exists though, because, um, yeah, we've talked about like the four minute mile for a lot of time, a very long time. People thought that wouldn't be physiologically possible. People are now saying the same thing about the two hour marathon. Some people say, uh, 20 to 30 years is when they expect, expect it to be broken. Other people say never, um, 60 kilometers an hour. I've heard for the one hour record will never be broken. Um, but seeing some of these performances that come in and just out of nowhere, so the, the hour record, the 500 meter increment, that's 1% improvement basically on the, the previous one. Yeah. So it's a huge, huge jump. Um, and seeing that kind of jump still exist, that tells me that we're a long way from, from breaking the record. So, or sorry, we're a long way from being limited by, uh, some unforeseen barrier. Like we're going to continue breaking these records and, and pushing forward. Yeah, that's what uh, I think we're excited to talk about because there is a lot of um, there are a lot of avenues to approach um, innovation in sports, and uh, that's what we're here to do. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that was a very nice segue into the the purpose of the podcast. So, congratulations! It's almost <laughs> like it was scripted, right? Okay. Uh, well, with that, we'll sign off for today and uh, look forward to our next show. Yeah, we've got some interesting interviews coming up. Um, I think, well, we mentioned some of them in the intro, but uh, uh, we're we're very interested or very excited to be sharing some of the, the talks we've had with everyone. So uh, looking forward to hearing feedback and suggestions about future episodes.